you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the NFL Podcast. Needs more at Tamposi NFL. Not really. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined in a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Right away, a another example of Machiavellian uh, lever pulls by Cam, who is sitting in Ferrica to prop her up in a, Mark with a C. money b- bit right there. Yeah. Just because you knew we'd react negatively to that. He's brilliant. You're very wise. Just playing. And the I'm game. scared of you. Just he's play just the game. Game. He's playing chess, <laughs> is what he's playing. You know, and we're all rooks. Or Tamposi was like, "You have to put this in now. I cannot let the listeners forget my name for one show, or else you're gone." Another distinction that was it. That was exactly <laughs> also verbatim. possible. Uh, this is our Wednesday show. We got a lot for you this uh, uh, hump day, as they call it. Uh, Wes, you're all pro team. Oh yeah, Wes digs into the tape. Wes gets out the old laptop at least the one he hasn't destroyed yet. And he types up a great <laughs> breakdown of his all-pro team, and you know it's going to be legit when the mailman's behind it. We're going to get into that. Um, also, we're going to spin around the league. A lot of coordinator um, news, a lot of announcements, some other big news involving um, players as well and quarterbacks, so we're going to get to that. Uh, and also, in just a couple of minutes, we're going to have Rap Sheet joining us to talk um, NFL landscape. But before any of that, uh, you've probably seen it um, online at this point on Twitter, if you're a fan of the podcast. Uh, but we have a big, big live show coming up. Our second live show in the history of the podcast. The first one was in London last September. It was a big hit. So we said we want to do it stateside. Why not do it Super Bowl week? So Thursday, January 31st. 8 p.m., doors open at 6 at the City Winery in Atlanta. The Around the NFL podcast goes live and in person in front of a studio audience. Not quite a studio, but a big audience. A big one. I mean, they said it, they said it couldn't be done. I think the NFL, um, you know, higher-ups, they say we suck or whatever. We, we got to prove them wrong. We need the podcast listeners out there to come out in full force it's going to be an awesome show it was a great experience i mean selfishly it's a great experience for us but i think the listeners had a blast too in london so we hope as many of you that are anywhere in the area can come out the information is on our twitter page it is uh the around the nfl twitter page it is pinned to the top but it's at city winery which is going to – the drinks will be flowing. It starts at 8 well, p.m. should be a fun night. We need a, a, a lathered-up, raucous crowd because, <laughs> A, I want to tell you one thing. The last time we did a live show, the man sitting to my right, Chris Wessling, brought not only just an A game but a mysterious A game where I think he threw all of us for a bit of a loop with his Thank, live wire act. Let's paint the picture. 1989, Dice Man. 2004, Dane Cook. That level – or he's just like I mean, slaying the crowd. All right. Yeah, but the the crowd's better than a Cook crowd. I mean, I'm giving you even more credit than being Dane Cook. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> um, I, I more meant in how the yeah, crowd yeah, right. just feeds off it. it. Let's go Chris Chris Rock 2004. You so want to rock or a crowd. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to the owner of Huckapoo's about getting a bus to just bus half of Tybee up you know, up the freeway to Atlanta and get them there for that Thursday night. Well, with that in mind, knowing that half of Tybee Island could show up, you go get it. your tickets because they will not last. Citywinery.com slash Atlanta slash ATN is where you get the tickets. And like Greg said, uh, pinned atop the Around the NFL Twitter page at Around the NFL, all the info you need. So I've had some we're people excited. hit me up on the DM front uh, on Instagram saying that they've already bought tickets. I mean, people are actively – picking this up it's not just to sit around for four days wondering hey maybe i'll decide to do this i would act now or you will be on the outside 
We ran, yeah, we were. We that ran, was almost a threat. And I like. Yeah, it. we ran out in London. It became a, a tough one. It was a tough, a one. tough People one. People sneaking into. in. It was unbelievable, and it turned into a Woodstock '99 situation in London. Just carnage after the show. <laughs> Fires, riots, looting. Uh, that's what we're hoping for in Atlanta as well. The post show was pretty impressive. It was. We had a good time, and I'm sure the same thing would happen. So we'd love to meet as many of you as possible who are in Atlanta that week during Super Bowl week. So there you go. Big announcement. All right, so let's get started. As promised, I mean, the guy, he's making waves in the industry. What else can I say? It's Ian Rappaport, Rap Sheet on Twitter, the definitive information man for NFL media. What's up, my buddy? I'm surprised you guys are having me on, considering I have a competing podcast now that is, I would say, threatening your fan, your, wow. your fan base and your viewer base. Competing is a, it's a cute word. That's that's what I'll say. You definitely yeah. just broke the record for plugging your podcast, like in terms of the time <laughs> you've been on the show. You got it in within 15 seconds. That's impressive. So I think you could have a future in this business, Ian. I reached Rap out. Sheet and friends. It's available on iTunes <laughs> and really anywhere you can download a podcast. I reached out to Ian as an old friend. Ian and I go way back uh, to the early aughts. And I said, hey. Would he say that about you? You got that podcast going, uh, the Rap Sheet and Friends. How about a little home and home? And uh, you come on our show. I'll come on yours. Now, do I? am I certain that Ian's going to hold up his end of the deal? In my mind, did I think maybe I should go on his show first, and then Ian comes on our show? Yeah, it did go through my mind. But ultimately, I'm going to see if uh, Rap Sheet's a man of his word and if I will appear on Rap Sheet and Friends. But right now, Rap Sheet is on the Around the NFL podcast. Yeah, I think you'll be invited on my podcast. Um, I thought about doing it when the Jets hired Gase, um, but then, you know, this, everything got too too booked. Freddie Kitchens took up a lot of time. So. It's a savvy move by for a guy that doesn't have friends to create a podcast where you, like, hire friends to be there. And wow. Whoa. Nuclear bomb well, drop. Now, now, to be fair, Sheriffo and Palacero are not actually making any money off this, so it's not really hiring. It's more okay, like that's true. It feels even weirder to say and friends when you have to pay them to be on the show. So this does help in terms of the argument that Ian does have friends. I just like the dynamic of Rap Sheet coming on our show, providing in-depth breaking news and information, and then Dan going on his show and doing something. I'm not sure what it is Dan would be doing. Well, yeah, I mean, to be fair, I think there's a lot of people probably wondering what Dan actually does of anything. So, hope, look, if he, now, if he gets on the podcast, my podcast, I think the first question will be like, what would you say you actually do here? That would be fair. Well, if, if people want to know the answer, you'll have to tune in. Ian, enough of it. I mean... Go to I, Apple Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast for Rap Sheet and Friends. It's fine. I, I've checked out a couple episodes. Let's talk some NFL because you are an information merchant, a pirate, some people say. And we want to talk to the man that knows things about some topics in the NFL. Why don't we start where we're at with the uh, NFL coaching uh, hires. Of course, we just have two teams now. Um, that have not officially made a move in Cincinnati and Miami. We're, we're going to get to them in a bit. But why don't we start with uh, what's going on uh, in New York with my Jets, the Adam Gase hiring. Uh, this was an interesting move, uh, Ian, and one that wasn't necessarily popular with the fan base. You, uh, not exactly um, Adam Gase, you wouldn't say, won the press conference, but uh, at the same time, you hear better marks from when you talk, to, people talk to Gase about the game itself and his abilities to make Sam Darnold a star because that's ultimately his job, isn't it? I don't understand why the reaction was the way it was. I mean, the I thing on Twitter, first of all, it's not cool to make fun of someone's appearance like that. I don't understand when that became normal, but um, I don't understand why the hire was treated like it was. I mean, he his record in Miami wasn't great. I mean, his record is what it is, but he took the Dolphins to the playoffs in his first year. He spent the second year with the corpse of Jay Cutler, um, who, I mean, basically went from his couch, like delayed the production of his reality show and his career as a Fox announcer to come hang on the NFL for a little bit. It was Gase's guy, though. I mean, Gase is the one that brought him in. Well, yeah, but I mean, as opposed to what? I mean, I think he chose color over David Fails. You know, <laughs> Eagles Fair had enough. Foles, Dolphins had Fails. 
Um, and I think that was, I mean, he was the best option they had. I don't know what else they would have done. Um, and then the next year, this year, obviously it didn't go exactly as they wanted, but they also didn't have their quarterback for like six weeks again. And when they do have their quarterback, he's, you know, bottom third of the league, I think, when it comes to starters. So, you know, I, I have a hard time understanding how we judge his Miami tenure anyway. But for the Jets, I mean, he's his work with the quarterback has been great from – you know, Tim Tebow getting him to the playoffs to Peyton setting the NFL scoring record to Jay Cutler getting him to play like a normal human. Um, <laughs> to me, he's the perfect hire for the Jets. In his press conference, I mean, you know he didn't want to be there. Um, those press conferences are terrible. Um, one-on-one, just talking football, like Dan said, he is a million, million times better. And, the yeah, the that's all people seized on. And that's, as a Jets fan, that's something that you have to live with that – People are going to hone in on stuff and then just, oh, th- this guy's a joke because he's attached to the Jets. Oh, and look at the way he's looking around the room. Everyone, look at my mentions were a disaster. I had to stay off Twitter for a couple of days because everyone was having fun at the guy's expense. And I get the Jets fans that have some issues with the hire because it's it's not a slam dunk hire in my opinion. But I'm open to it, and it's the first time they've went after a, um offensive-minded head coach. Uh, in almost 25 years, so let's let's give it a shot and shut out all these idiots on the outside and all the cheap shot artists. And Mark, you but we're up- we're among those cheap shot artists. I mean, when a when a guy fails in and then stays in the division and gets another job, we're often among the people that are just. We're like, talking about two different this topics. Is, this is boring. I just I'm just saying like that. It makes sense to me that there's skepticism because his track record wasn't good, including on defense. I mean, I think that's important that they were a terrible defense and his hires didn't work out there. So he has a lot to prove. I think specifically with Gase, we've been in support of the move, at least wanting to see how it works out. Yeah, I meant cheap shop artists and the the physical digs on him. Uh, Let's talk about uh, the Browns, Ian, who uh, Freddie Kitchens, this has been quite a meteoric rise (laughs) for Kitchens. I mean, it, it went from... After they fired Hugh Jackson, finally, when when was it, October? Uh, there was like, oh, who are they even going to uh, make the interim coach? And they went with Greg Williams, which led to a lot of laughter at the time. Uh, and and Freddie Kitchens wasn't even an option then. And now Freddie Kitchens goes from guy that nobody knows about to OC to head coach to a guy that's already been coordinated as the next Rex Ryan in terms of this guy is the guy, the breath of fresh air that this city needs. It's been quite a rise. It's been amazing. And, you know, I've known Freddie for a long time. I'm almost positive, almost positive he was there the night where my wife and I had our first real date in Starkville, Mississippi. He makes magic um, happen. The poor woman. He does. What was he, he doing? He was cooking or what was he doing? <laughs> he was cooking. Well, I don't know. You said he was there at your first dinner. Like, what was his role? Kind of looks like a short order cook. I mean, just put, geez. No, he was a coach. He was a running backs coach in Mississippi State. Okay. Um, under Sylvester Croom on a staff that had uh, Shane Beamer, who is Frank's son, that had Ellis Johnson, who then went to be Southern Miss coach. Amos Jones was a obviously special teams coach, formerly of the Browns. Um, Woody McCorvey, who's at Clemson, had some good people. But anyway, Freddie was there. Um, and so I've known him for a long time. And he's always been, in my mind, a really good coach. And I know he did incredible things resurrecting Carson Palmer's career that Bruce Arians gets all the credit for. Um, mm. And he's always been someone that has been respected in the you know in the rooms he's been in. Like in Arizona, you know, before they all got run out of there when BA retired, he was a guy that the ownership really thought highly of, and I thought would have considered for a head coaching job. And then in Cleveland, they almost made him the interim coach. And then, but anyway, all these things didn't happen, and I'm like, well, maybe I was wrong listening to the people I listen to, that maybe he's not as good as I thought. Maybe he's not as good as I was told. Maybe I'm just missing it because I happen to, you know, really like the guy. Um, and then he went out and did what he did on offense, and it became clear that everyone else was just missing it. I'm excited for what he's going to do. Uh, he's never promoted himself. He's never sold himself. He's missed out on a lot of opportunities because he's fine existing in the shadows and I think it's kind of cool that everyone gets to see what a good guy he is. In that sense, he is countercultural in the in the NFL because I'm sure you're getting pelted left and right by um, coor- you know coordinators and assistants. Say, you know, uh. Ian, how do I get to the next level? Is this is this the way this search went down? Because when it started, 
there was all this whispers that, you know, oh, Peyton Manning has Haslam's ear and it's going to be Adam Gase because there's all that going on. Or it's going to be, they're just going to roll in Mike McCarthy because the front office has Packers ties. And with the way it shook out, does it tell you, with the one concern in Cleveland sometimes is the ownership, have the Haslam's turned the corner? Is there any evidence that that's part of how all this shook out? It's a good question, and I think that's the, you know, of all of these hires, the main thing is, like, can you trust ownership? Can you believe in ownership? And, you know, they came out and said Freddie Kitchens was the unanimous choice. I believe he was the unanimous choice at the time they announced the decision. I know there was some intense discussion about different options, and, you know, I, I, I don't think any of it is negative because you need to discuss all this as an organization, but I do think some of the analytics people like Kevin Stefanski his background, especially as as it relates to, you know, analytics and I guess math and whatever all that stuff really is, um, but I, I, what I believe is that he's like great this was at the algebra. Guy that John Dorsey wanted to hire, and mm. the ownership listened to him. Mm, that's and good. I think that is unbelievably important in Cleveland. One quick compliment to you that you were on a first date and you won the woman when you were surrounded by what I would imagine to be a flock of alpha male NFL assistants <laughs> and coaches. Nice job. <laughs> uh, well, thanks. Now, to be fair, um, my wife, who then at the time was clearly not my wife, didn't really care about football in general. So when I mentioned to her that this was where I would sometimes have a beer with coaches, she did not care. Let's spin through uh, some more like NFL topics that are fun. Hey, Kubiak and Elway, what's up with that? <laughs> They're supposed to be best buddies. What happened there? Yeah. Um, well... I would say best friends, they'll probably Ian. be best buddies again. Okay. Um, like not as close as, you know, the the immortal bond you share with Tom Pelissero, but close. <laughs> and Garofalo, my other rap sheet friend, Tali. Unpaid um, podcast co-hosts. Well, I'm not paid. I mean, swag sometimes. But, um, but anyway, uh, I would say that relationship will probably get better again. It was not going to work with Fangio. I think one thing with Kubiak is, you know, he's a great coach and has been a great coach on various levels, but he has a way that he wants to do things. And bringing in his guys like Rick Dennison and his son Clint to be QB coach was something um, that, you know, was a prerequisite for him. And when Denver didn't do everything he wanted, I think it very quickly was like, all right, this is just not going to work. So Elway kind of made assumptions uh, that Kubiak would be cool with the setup, and then Gary was like, and by the way, sometimes you sleep on that, his name is Gary. Hey, He's Gary. the most Gary Gary yeah. out there. That is a fact. My brother's going to love this guy. Yeah. yeah. Gary was like, hey, uh, actually. I mean, he's a Gary-less guy. <laughs> actually, Gary wants to see what else is out there. Well, I think people call him generally just Kubiak. Which makes Kube? sense. People Kube? call him Kub. Who wants yeah. to be called Gary in 2019, honestly? My favorite Gary Kubiak memory experience, existence, was I was in uh, Annapolis for training camp when the Ravens were playing there, and he was a Ravens OC, and I hadn't seen him or talked to him since he had that mini stroke on the sideline. Mm -hmm. Remember that? Yes. With the Texans? My my grandmother um, would say he took a stroke. What's that? (laughs) Old people used to say, you take a stroke. Oh, he took a stroke. Yeah, it's weird. Go on. He certainly took the heck out of one then. Yeah, Um, he did. And I hadn't seen him, and so like I kind of walk around a corner in the stadium, getting there, and I see him. And I, oh, and he goes, "Yep, still alive." <laughs> that's I was like, good. Yep, Laugh at mortality. That's you right there, so definitely. What's uh, uh, What's um, Elway doing no, at I quarterback? Say, I would say that relationship will probably get better. Over I didn't like, by the way, how there was little. I I felt like there was a smear campaign against Kubiak the second that he didn't take that job. I noticed a few different reporters. You were one of them, Ian, that like noted Ouch. that Kubiak didn't really have great, uh, you know, numbers the last few years. It felt like a calculated Ouch. smear job. Such is life. <laughs> what, what's El, What's Elway going to do at quarterback? He doesn't seem to like Keenum anymore. Um, it feels like they're open. Um, and they, I mean, Keenum last year was obviously a disappointment. I think that's fair to say. I mean, they, you know, you could sort of argue they got what he has given every other team except for Minnesota, right? I mean, and yeah. Minnesota's talent was very, very good. So maybe that's some of it. Um, but they really signed him and he was exactly what he, they should have known he was. But they do seem open to it. I think, you know, the main question is like, are they going to get someone better? And, you know, when Kubiak, when we thought Kubiak was going there, it was like, all right, well, are they going to get 
Flacco. Mm. But are you like a hundred percent sure that Flacco is better than Keenum? It's a fair question. Like, who actually? You know, like I think Foles is better, but is Bortles? Foles is better. Teddy's worth a shot, oh, maybe. Not Bortles is definitely not. Teddy's worth a shot. Bortles isn't worth it. And before we go know. on, Ian. That's my thing. So before we, we'll, we'll see if they can get someone better. All right, go ahead. Last an time. early peek at free agency. Last topic here. Uh, and something that came up uh, between us uh, in the newsroom. What is Nick Foles' market going to be? Where does, I mean, is this guy going to get a mega bucks or is he going to get Case Keenum money? What, what are we talking here? Is he going to get less? He should get more than Case. Case got what two for thirty six, right? So yeah. eighteen a year. Um, I the weirdest thing about Foles is if you literally forget that the Rams ever happened, if you just say, "All right, Jeff Fisher just ruined him for a year," his numbers are unbelievable, like top of the league. But in the minds of NFL people, it's hard for them to just forget that that happened. So I don't see anyone treating him like. Kirk Cousins, where he's like the bell. Hmm. He's still going to be a big story, but he's not going to be that. I don't think. Have you heard any like teams associated, or is it too early for that? I mean, the Jaguars are hiring John Filippo as their OC. They need a quarterback. Like that's going to be one of the quarterbacks they're going to explore. But as far as his contract, you know, my guess is it's somewhere between Keenum and the franchise tag. So that's franchise twenty five. Keenum was eighteen. So maybe in the 22-23 range, something like that. Ian, but a lot. Ian, to your children, you have two little boys. Do they understand what an insider is? That's a good question. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> we talk about it. When when I get beat on a story, they will ask me why I didn't break that news faster. <laughs> oh, and say, you have brutal. to race and hmm. break that news. Um, <laughs> they will, I'm, I'm like, they they know, they will ask, like, did you break any news today? And they know what it is. I love it. They are all about it. Is your Apple wife... doesn't far f- fall from the tree. I think they're already getting that competitive, yeah, that itch. Is your wife more, does she get annoyed with how much you stare at your phone? Or is she more like a Lady Macbeth type where she's pushing you harder and harder to take down the Schefters and the Glazers and all the others to be the true king of Information Mountain? Um, I have become a lot better at not mindlessly staring at my phone when nothing's going on. So there's not a lot of, like, why are you looking at your phone? Nothing's happening. So either I'm working and looking at my phone and she totally understands that I'm in my office or I'm, like, taking a call and she knows it's important. But I have in, – in life I have improved at not, like, putting the boys to bed and looking at my phone while I'm reading, like – you know, the little engine that could or whatever. Well, and you have, you have a podcast to tend to as well at this point, so there's that. <laughs> yeah, and what happens often is I have the um, podcast equipment in my office, and I'll oh, walk in, and Jude, who's my four-year-old, will be just standing here wearing the headphones talking to people. <laughs> uh, very good. Hey, Ian, Rap Sheet and Friends podcast. Um, special episode coming up very soon. It'll be Rap Sheet and Best Friend starring Dan Hansis with Ian Rappaport. That's going to be a great show. We're all excited for that. Hmm. see. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I'll make sure to get you on the schedule then. Absolutely. <laughs> all right, check it out on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get uh, your podcast. Ian, keep grinding, buddy. Thanks for coming on. Bye, guys. Thank all you, Dan. Down. Not really. <laughs> there you go. Ian Rappaport joining us. That was nice. We got a lot of... More to get to in the news. So why don't we just spin through what's going on in the league. We'll start uh, with the Eagles. So we just talked about Nick Foles, obviously, and what's going on with him. The reason we didn't even bring up another option in terms of, oh, would the Eagles keep him? Well, Philly has already made it clear what their next step is behind center. Doug Peterson uh, said it in a matter-of-fact manner on Tuesday, told the media Carson is the quarterback going forward. Carson Wentz, who missed the final five games of the Eagles season, including the playoffs with a back injury. Of course, last season, West 2017, he had the ACL tear, which opened the door for Nick Foles becoming uh, a legend. But the team is definitively stating right off the bat, Carson Wentz is still the man. Yeah, I think a few weeks ago I would have said to anyone, this isn't even a discussion, stop blowing it out of proportion. Of course they're going with Carson Wentz. Um, by December of 2017, he was the single most valuable entity in the NFL mm. from a player's perspective, and he was the lead 
MVP candidate at the time. He's got all of that potential. He's got all the physical tools. He has all the mental tools. This is your rock. This is who you build around. And then Nick Foles goes out and, you know, basically approximates what he did last year, except for the Super, actually hoisting the Lombardi trophy. So I think it is a discussion. But to me, you have to go with the younger guy who's super talented. Well, I think the, the details of Foles' contract situation has gotten a little lost in the shuffle, which is that the option in his contract, which they would have to pick up, is due three days after the season. So they would have to guarantee they would have to be willing to pay him twenty million dollars. And then even if they were willing to pay him that, and this is a team that's gonna already be over the salary cap and there's just tons of veterans uh, that they're going to have to think about doing new contracts, and there's other ones that they would love to re-sign. They have as many free agents, I think, as any team in the league. Foles could have bought back his free agency anyways. What this move, the way that they said it so publicly, I think they're just going to do him the solid of just letting him go free, not make him pay $2 million back. And the, the reason he got that contract in the first place was because he had so much leverage after the Super Bowl MVP season that, hey, let's do it for one year and we'll revisit it. And Foles made it clear in his comments that he wants to go lead a team. I love the way he... When you listen to Nick Foles speak and you see how his teammates speak about him, you really do think he's learned a lot over the years and he's said as much that he thinks he's learned on how to lead a team and how what's important to him about being a quarterback. And he's ready to go be someone's starting quarterback. And I think the Eagles will say, thanks, you, you've got the statue, and we'll see you later. And, and who knows, maybe he'll end up with the Jaguars, as, as Ian mentioned. Makes sense. It's a Philly uh, special statue. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Well, that's technically not the play. It's just kind of them talking on the yeah. sideline. You just know. chopping it up on the sideline. We don't even have confirmation that that's what they were talking well, about. Well, you're going to find out that you will have confirmation because everyone listening to this knows how absurd this situation is. I invite them to tweet it. What situation? I mean, yeah, I think a lot of the listeners don't even know what you're talking about. Because you're on. the only one who really cares. You're, the, you're still holding on to some Move sandwich on. prop. I invite all these 15-year-olds who have never seen the helmet catch to tweet at me. Me as well. Moving on, uh, the Panthers, they have a big issue at quarterback. My goodness. Um, Cam Newton dealing once again, as we know, with a uh, what could be a serious shoulder injury that would require surgery. And uh, the team's new owner, David Tepper, addressed the local media, and he could not um, say with any um, certainty that Cam Newton would be ready for 2019. And it leaves the door open uh, Mark, that Cam Newton could miss 2019 if he has another shoulder surgery. The door is open for that as a scenario, and um, that would be an incredibly big setback for this franchise. I mean, it's important to note that he wasn't offering facts. He was speculating because there is a wide degree of possibilities of what could happen if, as we approach February and then beyond, your quarterback is pulled into a shoulder surgery of some sort. And it does, you know, there are like remnants of what happened with Andrew Luck there and other stuff. Um, but if that were to happen beyond the biggest loser being Cam Newton, uh, I think it would be a very tough situation for Ron Rivera to have to go into next year with something other than Cam Newton under center. Uh, I, you know, more to be seen. Here. They might be, you know, they would suddenly be in the quarterback market for I think guys so. like Bridgewater that could be a one-year solution or something because you would have to you would have to not want to throw away the season. This is a team that's been a little under the radar is in dramatic overhaul. Thomas Davis, uh, they announced that he's not going to be re-signed. I mean, this is one of the franchise pillars. Ryan Khalil uh, is expected to retire, one of the franchise pillars. It sounds like Julius Peppers might not be back. And then you have this Cam Newton news. It's just a team with a lot of change going on right now. Uh, the uh, Let's head over to uh, coordinator corner, starting with the Cleveland Browns, who um, have their head coach in Freddie Kitchens, but they also have uh, a new OC, Todd Modkin, who was in the running for um, several head coaching jobs, uh, did not land a job, but he lands uh, in Cleveland as the OC uh, with the Browns, and he, this guy has a lot of respect in the league. Mark, Freddie Kitchens, obviously an offensive-minded guy. I believe he's calling the plays, but Monkin's a good guy to have in the um, room. I think if there's one encouraging overall uh, result from the Kitchens hires, that he's hired so far a very strong staff. And I think that Todd Munkin, if you look at his roots, he's got air raid roots. He's got um, he's dipped in college concepts as his Kitchens, and it's another 
added mind to go with Baker Mayfield. It's not someone that's going to press to take them in a different direction. He's going to add elements and add to Mayfield's game and that entire attacks game. I This was a guy I really thought was going to get a head coaching job. So you maybe don't have him forever if they continue to impress as an offense, but it's nice for this season. When's the last time an offensive guru at head coach handed over play calling duties to his subordinate and then the subordinate actually improved on what the offensive minded head coach was doing as a play caller. That's what happened in Tampa Bay this year. I was really impressed with how open their tight ends and wide receivers were throughout the season because Todd Monken's offense ran so smoothly outside of the quarterbacks turning the ball over. It's a good sign that Kitchens, too, has kind of the confidence to hire a guy that, you know, you would think in theory could be a a potential replacement, was a hot coordinator. That was the hang-up in uh, the Jets hiring Matt Rule, reportedly, the the Baylor head coach, is that he didn't want to hire Munkin. I like a guy like Freddie Kitchens who's confident in himself, comfortable in his own skin. He should do, like, jeans ads or something. (laughs) I mean, he fills them out. Like Wranglers. Yeah. Yeah, interesting comment. Kitchen's going to Wranglers commercial. Yeah, for sure. Uh, The Jets, who we're talking about with Ian as well, they have. uh, It looks like they're hiring Greg Williams. I don't know if it's official. It's official now. It is official Mm -hmm. now. Greg Williams, who last year, of course, was with the Browns, and the year before that, he takes over as defensive coordinator. um, And it's a um, interesting uh, setup for the Jets. You got Adam Gase, who is, as we know, an intense individual and uh, has the ability to say what's on his mind and be blunt as we understand it and, and that behind the scenes can rub people the wrong way and Greg Williams who you know might be a crazy person so how did what is the dynamic between Gase and Greg Williams as far as the hire goes itself um, I'm okay with it he's an aggressive 4-3 type guy the Jets need to mix things up I think on defense after a very down year uh, but I do have legit concerns about what happens behind the scenes with this I like that you said on the Twitter show you you were kind of tired. The Bulls era was a little boring, and that, that this is going to add some spice. Give a little spice. Got Greg Williams <laughs> saying weird things. <laughs> the last thing we need is the New York media covering Greg Williams. Why not? Why? Why because it's that? all going to be nonsense. It's going to be a 24-hour soap opera. It's going to be a bunch of stuff that doesn't involve football, and that's going to be headlines for years. It, it puts a lot – just because if the way that it is there, if they're losing quickly, you can just – they're just going to pick Williams apart. You know, you, you can't just see him taking one little thing that he says. In a Friday press conference – like they used to – I remember going down to New Orleans after they won the Super Bowl. They would have Greg Williams speak on Friday afternoon – at about 3 p.m., and it was to effectively bury him from the news cycle. This is after they won the Super Bowl. Sean Payton, and it was very transparent, didn't want Greg Williams making news that would kind of be in the be in the air all week, so they would put him as late as possible on Friday afternoon just to kind of screw over you know the newspapers the, the and not have is, Greg Williams make news. I wonder if when you're a <laughs> coordinator and you're Greg Williams and you only have that one little window to speak a week, that maybe more is coming out because when he was like doing a lot of head coaching stuff with Cleveland over the last half of the season, there was really nothing. Yeah. It, it, that's maybe totally maybe fair. it's like he gets if you bottle him up too much, then he's gonna explode with all these, you know, hot quotes. Who knows? Wes, you're a coastal guy now. You live in LA, uh, <laughs> coastal cities. I know you're a Midwesterner at heart, but time to let go of some of this anger you have toward New York. I just feel just like let it go, bro. I feel like the media could do their jobs better. That's well, that's all there is to it. Do your jobs better. They would they are a very passionate uh, group, the New York media. Hey, it's one of the only places that newspapers are uh, still thriving a little, or at least surviving. It's, well, because they make up so much crap. <laughs> I mean, what do you mean make up? Uh, I don't want to name names, but there Go are ahead, certain... Go ahead, cite some examples. There are certain columnists the entire... there that just make stuff up. It, but it feels I'm like... I'm not going to name names, but, I, I um, but of if, course if, there are guys that just make... I mean, you don't see that in Kansas City. You don't see that in Atlanta. And maybe, you know, maybe they are more entertaining at purveying news, but they just make crap perhaps up in New York. you are picking a couple or perhaps even one bad apple and painting a, a big, broad brush of an entire industry in New York. That's all perhaps I'm, I'm not. That's all I'm well, saying. I would perhaps argue that it, the idea that that's exclusive to New York is – that's right. It's not exclusive. It. It's definitely more um, – it's more. It's something you see way more often in New York, and it really controls the entire industry. What's going on in New York? And I love it. And I, I mean, look, this <laughs> is going to be a situation. It. This is an especially combustible combination. And in a year and a half, we're going to be like, why did anybody think Adam Gase and Greg Williams were going to work? Well, there you go. 
I got I got some input out of you there. So you don't think this is going to work out? I don't think anyone thinks it's going to work out. I do. I think it's going to be leading to many Super Bowls. Okay. That's where I come down on. And I'm sure it will be covered in depth by the you know outstanding New York media. Uh, moving on. Uh, the Jaguars hire ex-Vikings OC John Filippo as offensive coordinator. Uh, Wes, you love the Jacksonville media. Why don't you break down that market for us? The Jacksonville media? Yeah. I'm not sure they exist. He, oh, okay. that's, so, that's so unfair. <laughs> I would go as far to say Florida Times Union has one of the best track records and legacies of great football writers who have come out of there, and they have great coverage on the, at that paper. It's underrated. Top top. There Three underrated uh, football newspapers in the league. <laughs> You've got a rating of underrated newspapers? I'm going to. <laughs> Journal I mean, Sentinel is number one, but they're rated highly. I don't even know uh, how that would work. But DeFilippo, yeah. of course, um, was with the Eagles, and he flamed out with Minnesota. This, like Adam Gase in New York, seems like kind of a uh, buying low stock move by the Jaguars and hoping they could uh, restore a guy's lost luster after a bad year. We'll see if it works out. They seem like they didn't get some of the – First people that they wanted, and I think this ended up being a good, a good fallback plan because Di Filippo seems like he deserves another chance, and it really does connect them to Foles immediately. You just think like that; it just makes sense. Because I was, I really believe if it wasn't for Blake Bortles, his injury last year, which kind of locked them into that fifth-year option, and then they gave a terrible contract. I believe they would have gone after Kirk Cousins. Everyone believed that they would have gone after Kirk Cousins, but they were kind of stuck with. Stuck with Bortles, and now it just thinks like they're going to go after the top, the top guy available, which is full. I mean, there's a little bit of a scapegoating situation with Don, John D. Filippo, but the Jaguars know that well because they did the same exact thing to Nathaniel Hawthorne. Uh, finally, in the news, not Hawthorne, Hackett. 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 A lot of people, Nathaniel Hawthorne, operating in different circles, <laughs> writing circles. Maybe you read. I him feel in like he's been grade. he's been scapegoated too a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I was coming with a deeper letter. message there about you know his books have been treated a certain way. Let's be honest. You don't hear enough about the old uh, Scarlet Letter these days. Finally in news, uh, you don't see this often, a um, professional NFL player going on a morning um, morning show on national television in New York, Wes. What a horrible place that must be. Uh, and detonating his own career, Cody Parkey somehow ends up on the Today Show with his wife also mic'd up to talk about the setback um, that he suffered uh, on Sunday, missing the short field goal, leading to the Eagles' win. Uh, and it led to a conversation uh, between Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. They speak in a press conference, and uh, they say this, we always talk about a we and not a me thing. We win as a team and we lose as a team. I don't necessarily think it was a we thing. So Parkey was already on the ropes, did himself in. And I just want to play one uh, clip from the Today Show. Savannah Guthrie, because this is playing in my house in the morning. My wife watches the tape. I like Savannah Guthrie a lot. Yeah, she does a nice job, but also it's it's coming from a different angle, a different spin when it's on the Today Show, when it's Savannah and Hoda interviewing uh, a place kicker. Here's what she had to say. They, they have MVPs. I think they yeah. should have MHP, most honorable player. <laughs> yeah. You really, right. really you showed so what you're made of. I appreciate Cody. it. Thank you, honey. Thanks Thanks so that was the whole interview, basically propping up Cody Parkey as a class act. It wasn't his fault, though. Oh, oh, yes, it was. Because you have to understand what the interview is going to be. And what it was was a man standing up in the face of adversity. His wife was there to talk about how Cody does his best and tries hardest. And this is not going to go over well with the Chicago media, with the fans and management very clearly. We have proof of that. This is this is the first time I've ever I've only thought positive things about Matt Nagy. I was I thought that I was disappointed by the way that they talked about Parky. I understand that I can understand why a football guys wouldn't like how it went down. But the fact that the Parkies decided to say yes to an interview and I watched it and it was, you know, it's the Today Show doing their thing and, and, right. Park, and Parky was there. I thought they're being incredibly unfair and scapegoating because if it was basically any other position on the field that did a similar thing, they wouldn't cut him. They're cutting him because he had a bad year and because he missed a big kick. And the fact that he went on the Today Show to me seems very small of them, and they're almost like kind of pun- punishing him and not like I, I just didn't get it. I was also you. a bad, I was really surprised. It's a bad decision to go on the Today Show. That's you don't fine, have to say yes, but you don't need. You, but you don't either cut or you keep the guy aware. based on that. You have to be way more I aware agree. if you're Cody Parkey. There was. It was kind of spinning 
his situation. I see what Nagy's saying. They were only in that game because of Cody Parkey because he had a great game before that. Matt Nagy. That's Savannah Guthrie told us. He was lucky he wasn't cut before that game. Absolutely. He has to know. Absolutely. But I think in that game, he played well. Like, he had a good game. If that was your average What do you Cody, mean? He missed the game-winning kick. But he also had a number of kicks. It doesn't matter. The game's on the line. Ones. His job is to make it. You're an NFL kicker. He made what? You should well, be hitting 90% he of your kicks. He had three before that. He, had, he went three of four, including, a, what, a 50-yarder? That's or not good enough. In the NFL, you have to make your kicks. My point is their defense gave up a huge drive. If you want to talk about we, not he, their you're defense right gave up that. a huge drive. His, his offense, defense on USA did, or his, on his the Today Show? struggled, and you're kind of pointing him out here in this is, setting. Is this, this the only so athlete that goes so and has an individual interview with I, somewhere else? It's not Jalen Ramsey then, like 45 days in a row. After he blew a, the biggest game of the year, does he go I, on? I don't know. Here's my one Five thing, and I get, I, get, I get both sides, but it's like – Part of part of the Cody Parkey message coming out of it was the fact that he went openly and spoke and answered every question, like by media, by the by the tough, hard hitting Chicago media who are all flamed up in flames about what happened with that game, and he's basically telling I think people that watch the Today Show or children anywhere when you fail you can either run into a foxhole and disappear or you can answer to it. Did you see it? Did you watch it? I watched. I watched like a, a clips of it. You should and I'll watch say, the whole thing. The I will. I don't have a problem it's with. It's not his fault necessarily, but what happened? The way I think he might have even realized that halfway through, yes. they were kind of raising him up repeatedly and saying what a great guy and class act he was. Right. And it just was bad optics at a certain point. But you have to know enough to Wes's point. Maybe just stay. We I did my media duty on Sunday. I'm gonna lay low for a little while because and that that's the way. I it just don't be paint handled. him as some sort of villain. That's all. I I, I, I agree, really I agree well on the, the Today Show room. thing, it, but it, and that could have been the taste he left in everyone's mouth. Hey, you handled this really right. well as a stand-up guy. It's like you would never think about the firing just about a coach or anyone for emotion, like the way they emotionally handle press. And so that, to me, does not really make sense that you're going to fire a guy based on that. It shows how emotional, and understandably so, Nagy and, and Pace still were, that that pissed them off enough that they're like... Well, and they want to move on at that position very clearly. Dan, uh, can I say something yes, about sir. New York? Yes. <laughs> it, it's the city in America. It's the Big a, Apple. It is the most impressive city I've been in in this country. It is the number one city. It's the Big Apple. I just think they cover football poorly. That's okay. all. No, I mean, that's fine. I'm going to, you know, defend my city and where I'm from. It's a great, wonderful um, city, and I had the time of my life when I was there, and I'm dying to go back again. Some of my favorite, like, sports writers and reporters and people on air are from New York, too. Like, I, I get what you're saying, that it, things get blown up into a soap opera, but if you – I like that personally. Maybe it's because that's where I'm from. That makes sports more fun to me. Like what's going to be the back page of the Post and the Daily News and them being really plugged in on the Greg Williams, Adam Gase dynamic. Like for me as a sports fan, I'm into it. Uh, But that doesn't mean that's how everybody likes sports. Fair enough. I think we're in a good place now. Fair enough. That's what's happening in the news. Want to go for a walk together? Sure. We can maybe run into Anderson Cooper. (laughs) <laughs> well, that was a cheap shot. The deep cut. The deep cut. One, Mark and no uh, – But I'm just sitting Mark here over Greg. here. I'm just quietly sitting over here waiting for the next you know, portion of this show and just out comes a scud <laughs> missile right in between the eyes. No, wasn't but, why? Even, Mark and Greg went for a jog um, at the owners' meetings like five years ago and then Anderson Cooper – I think that was when I was still living in New York. Came up uh, no, it was right definitely in not, you Greg. No? You have no. your 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 <laughs> memory on, on your life timeline is one of the most mystifying things in my life. But no, we we ran into Anderson <laughs> he Cooper. He could not have been nicer to us. And then we saw him later on that evening, and he said hello again. So I consider us friends with a major media figure. He said hello again. There was a large, gigantic party, and he just was like. What's up, fellas? Something along those lines. <laughs> hey, did you know that Lowe's is the new home of Craftsman? Lowe's is, is uh, our new go-to destination where we can explore the latest innovative Craftsman products, including the new V20 power tool pl- battery platform. The Craftsman's V20 cordless pow- power tool lineup features a high-capacity lithium battery that's part of Craftsman's interchangeable battery system. So it works with all the tools in their V20 lineup, giving you the runtime you need and the power you deserve, not to mention a longer cycle life resulting in an extended battery life. You'll also want to check out the V20 brushless power tools proudly made in the USA with global materials in Charlotte, North Carolina. These brushless motors deliver high efficiency and greater durability. For the latest Craftsman product updates, visit Lowe's.com slash around. That's Lowe's.com slash around. Lowe's is the new home.
of craftsmen. All right. Chris Wessling. An interesting um, thought exercise occurring over at uh, NFL.com. That doesn't happen a lot. And it happened here. And I enjoyed it. It was the 2018 NFL All-Pro Teams eye test, which is what Wes Bowes supports. That's what he stands by. Versus Next Gen Stats, which, uh, Mark, real quickly, 10 seconds or less, what is Next Gen Stats? Next generational statistics, apparently. Uh, I mean, no, it, it's it's. You're down to four seconds. It's the new wave of football analysis that shows us stuff we never could see before. Some wide receiver ran 180 yards on this route and then dropped the ball. Advanced analytics, uh, yes, that's that's just about right. They put a chip in each player's shoulder pads that tracks all these different things, and that's where we get a lot of the next gen. Yeah, Feels speed. satanic, but fine. Uh, speed, quickness, how hard they're working, separation, all separation. Ability to close on a ball. Amazing, Mark. Uh, Greg, you love it. You're a guy, you know, get me to that Sloan conference. Let me dig <laughs> into the data. <laughs> so you love Next Gen. I, I like some more than others, some stats more than others, certainly. I think they would admit, especially the Next Gen portion, there's a lot of different analytics. Football Outsider has been doing it for a long time and I think Ouch. has a lot of great uh, insights. Ooh. Next Gen has so much info. It's like any scientific endeavor. It has so much info, and it's so early in its infancy. They're figuring. They're very early in the process of figuring out the best way to use it. But teams do it. Teams use it. I think it's great. Some of the cornerback stuff is pretty great, especially mm. in man coverage, like how close they are, who's throwing into tight windows, who's completing tough passes versus like easy passes. It's good stuff. I almost like think I'd love to work there and be kind of a mole where like I could put out some crazy stat that is totally not true, but like who's going to disprove it? Who's going to disprove it? Oh, Next Gen Stats says that Ezekiel Elliott actually ran for 842 yards in this game, and here's the field with long red lines showing where well, the he other, went. It's like, who's going to sit down and disprove well, the, it? Your, Nailed it. Your colleagues at Next Gen Stats are going to be like, Mark, you can't just make things up. No, but I would be like, this guy is grinding. He, he's off like, in that, Mark, that you're wildly fired. eighth floor room. <laughs> you're giving us a bad name. Okay. You're so fired. You don't even understand. It doesn't right. even sound like that fun of a project, so I'm not going to do it. Yeah, it doesn't. Um, all right. Wes, so breakdown. You and Shook, our buddy Nick Shook, uh, went eye test versus next gen stats. And what was your big takeaways? What were your big takeaways from this exercise? I think the positions that were really hard to pick. Um, that was my biggest takeaway. The tight end was almost impossible to pick. I went back and forth between Kelsey and George Kittle. Mm. And you could even throw Zach Ertz in there, who is. You know, the most sure-handed possibly guy in the league. Record-breaking. Yeah, and and that was one running back. I went back and forth on Ezekiel Elliott and Todd Gurley. I went back and looked at my notes, and halfway through the season, I've got Gurley as the hands-down all-pro, and then Zeke played better in the second half of the season. Even punter was hard this year. Well, to, Can't just give it to Johnny Hecker every year. You and Shook both came down on the same side with tight end, ultimately um, uh, going with Kelsey. And you also both came down at Zeke. Where's a where's this position where you and uh, Shook were not on the same page? I'm looking at quarterback right off the top. I would say that's the most obvious one that I – if you asked me at Thanksgiving, I would have had Drew Brees in this spot. But then the rest of the year, like, Drew Brees did not play that well. And I think you saw in the game against the Eagles why Mahomes – would be the pick over Breeze because Breeze's arms arm limitation is real. He doesn't throw balls more than 30 yards, whereas Mahomes allows his play caller to do so much more. I think one of the things that was lost in Breeze's first 12 weeks is he made almost as many or maybe more low percentage plays as Mahomes. He wasn't getting credit for that, like really tough throws, beating the perfect blitz, all of that. But Mahomes didn't have anywhere close to the sluggish – final month that Breeze had, and a month is a huge time, so I don't think that was that close. What huge other, time. What other uh, positions, Wes? I was surprised, Wes, you didn't have Demarcus Lawrence um, at defensive end, you, that which is just a loaded position, and so you had Watt and who did you have? Um, Khalil Mack. And Khalil Mack. At edge yeah. rusher. That's They give you two edge spots, and I did want to put Demarcus Lawrence on. I had he and... Um, Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch on my second team All-Pro, uh, all three of those guys. I just thought that Khalil Mack was a legitimate 
you know, number two behind Aaron Donald. That's the guy you want. And J.J. Watt, I mean, was J.J. Watt. So I would have given do? Lawrence a, a slight edge, and I thought it was interesting. Um, Shook went with Von Miller, who under the radar had another great, like, just Hall of Fame caliber type of year. I also ask that we not invite Shook into this segment to freeze him out and to magnify Wes's picks. <laughs> Is there something weird in, about in, me. in in uh, like football right now that corner cornerback seemed very difficult to even figure out who is a standout because Gilmore is getting a lot of love and I think he's had a, a great season but it just doesn't feel like there's cornerbacks right now that are dominating because they make the almost like the position so hard and so few play man coverage you went with Kareem Jackson who had a great year I mean Shook went with Brandon Carr and Kyle Fuller so it's 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 not guys that you're thinking are having these Darrell Revis or, you know, even Patrick Peterson type of like dominant years. Yeah. My thought process was there's no real shutdown guy right now. It's too hard. So there's no Darrell Revis. So do you go with coverage, tackling, um, big playability? Like Kyle Fuller's your guy if you like interceptions and pass deflections. Um, I like the way Kareem Jackson hit people this year. I thought he played exactly like Antoine Winfield used to play with the Vikings. Mm. He leveled so many wide receivers and tight ends and really set a physical tone for that secondary. There were games – the game against the Broncos that I saw him play was one of the most impressive defensive back games of the year. And I was just like, okay, this guy is just hitting people. I think with your – looking at, you know, going through both sides of the ball, what you and Shook did – and I love this article because it's packed with information and not just information pulled from, you know, uh, statistics, but a year's worth for both of you guys who are watching. I know Shook watches a ton of film, too. But if the article, and it is, I test first next-gen stats, I would say that you guys had similar results on maybe more than 80% of the players. What is your takeaway when the eye test and the next gen stats are so similar? Doesn't that mean that next gen stats is legit? I think it's a, I think it's a positive for next gen stats. I mean, also I think Shook is part of Shook's eye test too. I would imagine it's not just him leaning on their results. Data. It's his own, his own. Yeah, I think if you want to evaluate players to the best of your ability, you use your eyes first always in any sport. Trust your eyes, and then you back it up and check yourself with analytics, advanced analytics, and whatever data you can get your hands on, I think you also throw in anecdotes from – throw in quotes from players and coaches and, you know, endorsements from a guy like Bill Belichick. Throw all that into the stew, and then this is what comes out. And I think that's sort of why Next Gen and the eye test are similar because you're checking yourself with each of them. Very good. You And, again, does this have a – this needs a vanity URL. Does it have one? Because we got to get on it. Because I can't even send people to NFL.com Wrestling or NFL.com Shook because it's a co byline. It's somewhere in the so abyss false, between those it's two. It's in the abyss. Yeah. Let's see. Last year it was under NFL.com All Pro, I think, or All Pros. Let's well, let's see. hope that's what it is this year. It is. I'm really nervous. Not. Right? Oh, my God. All right. Let's get on. Let's talk to programming. Uh, check out Wes's uh, Twitter account and Shook. You could get the links there. Uh, absolutely, the All Pro Team. Oh, I found Vanity it. URL: NFL.com/slash/AllProTeam. Hmm, you can also oh, get there, there with uh, Hot Bot and the Clothes Horse. <laughs> That'll what? take you right there. Hot Bot and the Clothes Horse. <laughs> how come like Shook, a fan morning Wait, how come Shook gets first billing? I don't know. Talk to the or, you know the original content department. Oh, I'm Clothes Horse in this. <laughs> <You're> clothes Horse. <laughs> I mean, your body's nice too, but you're up against Shook. Uh, I mean, come on. I mean, come on. Uh, all right, there you go. So check that out. Great work uh, by Wes and Shook. Uh, finally, uh, this is fun to check in every once in a while because you know, yeah, we're a football podcast, but we're people too. We got lives outside. Not great ones, but like we have lives outside of. Why? Why are you, Mark? Do you have a great life outside of the? Uh, podcast like is it like a dynamic like, I think Indiana it's, Jones it's fought with some issues but uh I mean in the vet compared to vast majorities of people that are truly struggling I think it's pretty easy I was kind of basing it off you oh. with the dark lake reference no I think like week. I mean if you want to focus solely on oneself we all could find negatives if you wanted to I'm not I'm tried not to today just for today okay anyway <laughs> The point being, that was my favorite minute. Of the <laughs> what is going on? Uh, what are what are we what are we into? In fact, I like to call this segment content ingestion update. Television, internet, movie, music, box. <laughs> All right. So that I mean that's pretty self-explanatory, isn't it, Greg? 
the internet got thrown in there. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> that covers a lot of bases. I wanted to make sure we didn't miss anything. So uh, we'll start with you, Greg. What is the content that you're ingesting the most right now? Well, one, I, one just that I enjoyed the most was the favorite. The, this is like... What is that? It's a movie starring Rachel Weiss and Emma Stone. Movies! Two greats. And uh, two greats in two, one of, some of their best roles. And then Olivia Coleman, who's going to win all the awards, I think, who played the queen in this. It'd be like if it's the one of the funniest, like, kind of body, like, cold-blooded movies I can remember. Very dark humor. It's like, it's like if a, a queen, you know... Pride and Prejudice setting or something if it had like the script of Reservoir Dogs. Like it's mm. just people going at it and it's hilarious. Sold. I'm, I'm, and I feel like people see it and it's like, oh, a queen movie set in the 1800s. Like, ooh, that sounds like a slog, but it's the opposite. It's like, it's like raw and hilarious. Dan, every time I go over to your house, uh, you always have a nice period piece, a three or four hour. <laughs> Yes. Sometimes those BB, BBC miniseries or whatever. What, where would this – has he attracted you with this description to go see it in the theater? Like yeah. it's a comedy. It's one of the funniest yeah. movies. I, I trust uh, Greg's judgment with um, popular culture. Pretty much in all cases, I do. Mm. I think he has a good radar for it. Wow. I'll check that out. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Wes, you're up. Well, after not reading any books for five months, they're, they're back in my life. So I have that Box. going on. But what I would tell other people, I think they'll get more out of the show you on Netflix. Funny. All right. Keep going. Television. Because of, <laughs> because of your uh, feedback, I watched the uh, pilot last night, in fact. Go on. Um, I was worried after the pilot that we were getting sort of a Dexter knockoff, mm. that it was going to be too derivative. And after sitting through... Uh, Lakeisha and I watched this in about four different sittings, so we'd watch two or three episodes at a time. And after every sitting, I would have a different like confidence about where the show was going. And I was wrong every time. It keeps you guessing. I thought it was really smartly done and good acting. And there was at least two or three times in the first season where I had to leave the room and walk away because mentally, psycho psychologically, I couldn't take the show. Whoa. Wow. I mean, Penn Badgley's back. You thought he was gone. This is Craig Scott. He's an OC legend. I mean, offense coordinator between uh, the OC. You know, the classic uh, mid the TV show, mid two thousands uh, Fox show that changed the game, uh, and he hasn't been in the mix that much. He's back. I watched the first episode. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't actually I seen this show, out. but I just like that he's around. You convinced me to go back in. Oh, good, good. Did you have the same thing that you thought it was a little too close to Dexter? Yes, and a lot of times, you know, when you're in the married situation, trying to find a show that you can both watch together, and I don't think uh, Simone <laughs> was you're a, in the married a roaring fan of the first episode, so maybe gotcha. we will try again. Um, I'll throw in a... You're so crazy. But, Dan, what was your reaction to the first episode? <laughs> uh, I liked it. I thought it was. I thought Badgley was good, as I knew Greg would uh, want to hear that. Um, the actress that is in the first episode, I don't know if she's the star of the show also, but she's awesome. I'm way into her. And, um, yes, there was some concern about the way the episode ended. Uh, and my wife watched it with me. She was on the fence. I said, let's give it three episodes and uh, and we'll see where we're at. But I, I am in on you. I can't figure out. Like, I'm not saying it's The Sopranos. Like, I'm not saying it's that right. well done, but it's certainly gripping. Yes, it's it's fun and it's got um, a good vibe to it. And I could be underselling it. Maybe it will end up being Sopranos. Let's remember it was David Ely that rolled through our our newsroom, not to you necessarily, but he days ago made the recommendation. Well, where did oh, David Ely you. get that information from? Ooh. Probably from Lakeisha or Wes. Lakeisha. I'll throw out um, <laughs> Ely's worth. Ooh, good one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll throw out um, another uh, TV show. A Television. Uh, this is Basketball, a love story. Um, ESPN. Really ambitious, hyper ambitious. Dan Clores, um was the mastermind behind it. He's uh, done 30, 30 for 30s in the past for ESPN. Uh, but if you're an NBA fan, um, this is unbelievable. It's a 20-hour series, 62 short stories. And I have not gotten through all of it, but I've, I've been watching. I've watched probably half of it now. And um, the um, – Vignettes or the short stories on the the first draft lottery, the Dream Team, MJ and Phil Jackson, uh, the Lakers uh, dynasty and uh, of the early 2000s, and the one that I really really enjoyed and cannot recommend enough 
is uh, the study of the decision, uh, the Le- LeBron James disaster from 2010, which really digs into the whole history of it, even though ESPN was the major machine behind making it as obnoxious as it was. They, they pull no punches in uh, breaking down what went wrong and why it was such a bad idea. And it also served as a reminder that um, even if you're LeBron James, you can make horrible mistakes in your early to mid-20s. And they have LeBron James. They get every big basketball name involved that you can imagine other than really MJ to speak on camera for the series. So it left me thinking, oh, I wish the NFL had something uh, that was this dynamic. Mm. Uh, so a basketball love story, I'm sure ESPN is re-airing it, and it should be landing on streaming services at some point if it's not already there. That is my suggestion. Well, why do you think content. MJ did not, uh, was not unwilling to be part of this? I mean, he's MJ. He was either probably held a grudge against Clores or just didn't want to do it. Cause well, they're I doing, aren't they doing? Yeah, they're a, doing a huge, a huge like him. OJ length. They are uh, doing yep. Jordan one, and so maybe he's sort of committed and trying to screw everyone else to that. I've been looking forward to this one, and um, I I noticed that it, it like you said, just breath, breathlessly ambitious to do yeah. that much. My one concern was how much new stuff are we getting? Is it just a lot of hashed over stuff? I mean, a lot of stuff is going to be, you know, the Dream Team, for instance. We've heard about that a million times, but it's done in such a really um, well-done way in terms of the amount of effort, the people that they talk to. Um, It's just, you could tell it was a project that took years to accomplish, and the guy has enough context to get all the people that were involved on the record talking about it looking back. I want to check out that Jackson to start off. Uh, Yeah, it's awesome. Um, Ooh, good one. Oh, thanks. All right, Mark? Close us out. Uh, mine is falls into the book category. Box. There we go. <laughs> and I one thing about living in Los Angeles is that I love true crime, and L.A. is underrated on that front uh, compared to, I think, sometimes people just think it's New York and Chicago with the mafia and whatever else is happening. But L.A. has some incredible... I thought L.A. is the best for true I, crime. I think it is, I but I don't, number think, one. I don't think I knew that before I moved here. But there are – you can drive down any street in the city and uh, there's history attached to it. And it's the mix of crime mixed with Hollywood too. All of it is a bizarre cocktail. And yesterday was the 72nd anniversary of the uh, Black Dahlia murder. Elizabeth Short was her name. And are you confessing? I am not 72 years old and I would not do such a thing. But I will say okay. – Whoever that lady is. Is that Frags? It sounds like Frags. Fantastic. Well, um, this book that I have read, I read partially and I've circled back and finished it called The Black Dahlia Avenger is written by a decades-long retired L.A. police detective who covered some of the biggest cases ever and rose up through the ranks and had a father. His name was Steve Hodell, and he had a father named George Hodell, Dr. George Hodell, who was like a child genius who like at age 16, was penning insane columns for the old L.A., not even the L.A. Times, whatever else it was, the L.A. Mirror or something. And he would ride around in the night and cover crime and wrote these incredible vignettes and then just dropped it and became like a doctor and then would drop that and become something else. It was like he couldn't stay with anything for long. And Steve Hodell, after his father's death, learned through various other family members, um, and I won't get too deep into it, but also through records and research that his father, and this is the biggest unsolved case in L.A. history, the Black Dahlia murder, that he is convinced, and it's not just, you know, his just thinking this out of thin air, that his father was the Black Dahlia murderer. Mm-hmm. And the book, I went in, I was, I'm going to be super, like, suspicious going in because no one solved this thing. There are now, because the, because the LAPD will not allow anyone to be named the killer because it was an embarrassment to the LAPD for so long. But there are multiple retired policemen and multiple retired like district attorneys who basically say, case solved. And if you're into this stuff, Spoiler. if you read this book, it is incredible how he paints it. But it's not just that. He goes on to trace him to stuff when he lived in Chicago and stuff up in the Bay Area that has elements of the Zodiac because he lived all through that time. There is so many commonalities that you kind of think, oh, there's all these millions of these people out there doing this, that sometimes it's not millions of people. Mm-hmm. And it is it is a book that uh, very few books have scared me. There is one, this is one of them, where I had to put it down because it got into my head a little too much because it's, it's happening right here in L.A. It's a great read. Well, that's... Uh, <laughs> oh, my God, Mark, stop it. That's a ringing endorsement. <laughs> 
about Mark. If Mark has to put the book down, I want to pick it up. Good. I love those sound clips. That they sounds like hilarious. a little. Uh, <laughs> sounds like a little thing on the back of the book. That'd yeah, a little sleeve. Um, all right, there you go. That's our content ingestion update for January 2019. That's uh, it for today's show. Yes, again, live show. Thursday night is Super Bowl week in Atlanta at the City Winery. Um, come, join us. We'll have a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun stuff planned for the show already and more to come. So check that out. And we'll be back tomorrow, Thursday, with our cha- Championship Sunday preview. There's only three games left in the season, and we're going to preview two of them on tomorrow's show. So check that out. Stan Hansis. Stan Hansis signing off for <laughs> The cam, he's going to take over the world. For a quiet storm, the mailman, the old boss, and the Molina man, the magic man behind the glass. He's got a plan. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.